Welcome to the OT lifestyle movement. This is for the occupational therapy visionaries and the ones who see things differently. We're moving our profession forward through living and leading a truly holistic lifestyle. Hey, hey guys, welcome back to the OT lifestyle movement podcast. I'm Rhiannon Crisp, occupational therapist and personal trainer. Today, I am super pumped. We are diving into all things yoga and helping our clients to break free from stress. And we're speaking with the beautiful Raya Lynn. So Raya is an occupational therapist and life coach who lives between Canada and Bali. She has spent her entire professional career working in mental health and devotes her time supporting others to find ease in a holistic way by combining coaching and therapeutic principles for those looking to access more ease, self-love and confidence than ever thought imaginable. Welcome, Raya. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) It's awesome to have you on. You're an absolute wealth of knowledge and I'm excited to get stuck into it. Before we do, actually, I'd love to learn a little bit about your background. So if you can tell us a little bit about you and yourself so we can know more of where you've come from and what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. The perfect place to start. So I finished my studies in Canada. I studied at the University of British Columbia. So I did a bachelor's in kinesiology and then I did a master's in occupational therapy. And really from the get-go, I knew that mental health was my calling. Um, And I focused all of my practicums and my studies all in the realm of mental health and as soon as I finished school I went traveling and got a little bit hooked. I found um, kind of a home or a you know a a really sense of peace in Bali, Indonesia and that's really where uh, I realized that I wanted to go outside of the yeah, the avenues that were presented to me in school of where occupational therapy could take me. Uh, So I went back home to Canada for a little while and I worked in mental health and addictions. I did a few rotations um, in, you know, various settings and ultimately realized Bali was my home. I needed to move back there. And that kind of lands us where we are today. So I have been working contract work for numerous rehab centers in Bali. So drug and alcohol primarily focused 30 day inpatient stays. And this really allows me to use my therapeutic skills as well as the holistic aspects. And then I also have my life coaching uh, practice on the side. So that in summary, in a short form is the background and where I am now. Mm, amazing and I think it's so great that we can travel you know as OTs and we can work in so many different settings in any country we like there's just so much endless possibilities yeah yeah I had no idea at the time that occupational therapy could open up so many doors and lend the skill set for so many different avenues of health and wellness Mm. Well, let's dive into yoga because that's what we're talking about today. Um, This is a space, I think, where there are a lot of OTs who are also looking at either integrating yoga into their OT or it's something that they do separate and on the side or alternatively, it's just something that they're really passionate about and wondering how can they integrate this into their work. I'd love it if you could talk to us about how you integrate yoga into your work because I know this is something that you're really passionate about as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting. I have a hard time defining yoga because it can be so many different streams and so many different practices that are encompassed in the title of yoga. Really, yoga is union with whatever that is to, to another person. So whatever the practices are that connect you to that outside source or that inside source. Um, so I think for ease sake, we can talk about the practice of asana. Uh, so like the poses and meditation, because that's primarily what people think of when they think of yoga. Um, so in terms of implementing it into OT, uh, we, we live in a world where, of course, nothing is in a vacuum. So for me, it's really hard to distinguish between the practice of OT and also the practice of yoga, because ultimately the goal is the same, to allow people to access these states within themselves that bring them more calm, more clarity, more wellness in whatever capacity that is. So I, I really see it as two pathways leading to the same goal. So I, I would incorporate it as a tool, um, as, as if it was any other OT skill. Yeah, amazing. And I think there is that gray area where OTs are thinking, okay, is it separate? Do I have to switch yoga hat, OT hat? What hat am I wearing? How do you do that? So you're using it as a tool in your mm. OT practice. Is that right? Yes, exactly. And yeah, that, that's a really great, great question because we, we do wear so many hats in all aspects of our lives. And if we look at it specifically from the standpoint of supporting another human being's growth trajectory, I do think it is important to have the skill set and the knowledge, the training to be able to provide this service in a way that is safe. Um, so personally, I do have a children's yoga teacher training, a trauma sensitive yoga training, and then also a general yoga instructor training. Um, so I feel as if those skills really allow me to have the knowledge to implement this in a way that is going to be beneficial and also safe and supportive. Um, I think that it doesn't have to be in depth for someone to gain the benefits of yoga and implementing that into uh, a practice of an occupational therapist already. There is ways that you could go about it that are more quick and easy, like, like a mindfulness-based stress, uh, stress reduction course that, you know, last for a month or so and then you're ready to go um I hope that answers your question mm, yeah no it does and I suppose OTs who are looking in like they want to know what does it look like like how do you plan your session what does the session look like are you just using parts of mindfulness or meditation or yoga poses in the session or is the whole session yoga how do you what does it look like mm. Would you like the answer to be targeted towards a specific population? Because it can look so different for children, for adolescents, for adults, for elderly. Great. Yes. Just give us some options, I suppose. I suppose people want to get a vision in their mind so they can go, you know, with clarity, okay, this is what I could do. Like that mm. people want to know, how can I do this with my population? So maybe if you give us kids, trauma, elderly, and we can, yeah, see what it looks like. Perfect. I love it. A broad scope. Um, so with children, I'm, I'm not sure if the, the listeners or yourself have heard of yoga cards or like a deck of cards that have yoga poses on them. That is my favorite uh, tool for children. There's the visual, there's the schedule right out in front of you, and then you have less thinking to do because you also have a lot on your plate. Um, so those can be a really 
uh, yeah, a really quick and easy way to implement yoga. So you could let the children choose five cards and then you all do those five in a sequence together. Um, depending if you're working one-on-one -on -one or in a group, it can look much different. Um, playing some, some nice music alongside of that can also bring the, the calming, implement, uh, calming aspects of yoga into that. Uh, from a trauma perspective, how to implement this, uh, it would really be getting into the body. So really maybe your yoga would look like sitting down and just like, okay, you know, what does it look like? What does it feel like to touch my legs? Um, because often there's that, that disconnect between sensation in, in someone who has experienced trauma's body and what that, yeah, what that could be like. Um, so really the intention behind trauma-sensitive yoga is that connection to self and regulation of internal states. Um, so that one would be very, very slow, calm, easy, guided breath practices. Like, okay, you know, watch the inhales in and out of your nose and your mouth. Simple as that. Um, and then for the elderly, uh, I've done chair yoga practices that are really beneficial. So really sitting in a chair, bring your arms up and down, twist to the side, twist to the other side. Again, that connection to body, the connection to breath, and then having an intention for the practice. Mm -hmm. And you're using it as like a treatment modality or an intervention approach. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately the goal being whatever the client is, is looking to attain. So that could be various, uh, you know, aspects of course, whether it be uh, connection to self, stress reduction, calming, uh, anxiety reduction, excitement for life. Again, it could be so many outcomes. Yeah. Amazing. And that's, that's it. I suppose it's so versatile, isn't it? And it's almost a practice that can be used across the lifespan and regardless of age, your background and your health status, it can be something that can really help improve people's quality of life, but also help them to get them from where they are now to where they want to be. Because it's, yeah, it's just that holistic practice that's so broad. Absolutely. And the one thing that I, I would like to add is that occupation really is can be leisure, productivity, and self-care. And yoga truly encompasses all three of those for me personally and a lot of people as well. You know, it is a profession of mine. It is my job. It does keep me busy in the day. It is an activity of leisure. I love it. I enjoy it. I get meaning from it. And then it's a self-care practice. It really is foundational to me feeling me again. Mm, I love that. And occupation, like you said, you know, it's so subjectively experienced. So... And that's what makes it so rich, right? So for me, it might be self-care and, and for someone across the road, it might be leisure. And for you, it's all three. So it's really also having a look at the client and looking at their narrative and understanding where they're coming from and what it means to them. Yes, not a blanket. Okay, you're going to benefit from yoga. Let's do it. Listening, what is the actual modality that would benefit them? Mm-hmm. And so what sort of changes have you seen in the clients that you've worked with using yoga practices as an intervention strategy? So specifically with children, the most influential would be the calming. I had an experience where I was leading a practice of a focused meditation on a candle. So children under the age of six all together sitting in a circle and looking at a candle and really visualizing 
in, in their own minds, the candle and, and just connect, connecting them to themselves. Um, and seeing just how three short minutes of looking at a candle can really soften every aspect of, of the child. Um, so that, that I, I think would be uh, the, the most influential in that population. Uh, for adolescents, I think having a, a shared experience with others, so if it's offered in a group, it can be something that allows Again, that, that, that just connection, you know, it's often that adolescents are exposed to so much computers and, and screen time and, and not really knowing how to interact with one another, especially if they're in a vulnerable state. So having that shared experience. Um, and then for, for, you know, adults, it is that tool that maybe they never got presented with before to get in touch with something deeper or something more, maybe something spiritual or some sort of spark on the inside that they've never really had the opportunity to explore deeper. Mm, awesome. Let's move on to stress reduction um, because I know this is another area that you're really passionate about and obviously it ties into yoga, but you also look at a client's limited self-beliefs that are keeping them stuck where they are and keeping them stressed. Can you talk us through this and what you look at when you're working with a client in this area? Yes, I sure can. So I like to see beliefs as this underlying idea that we tell ourselves or that our life is kind of based off of. So I think of it as a magnet and your belief is this magnet and it attracts experiences that relate to that belief. So if there's an experience going on in your life where you feel as if all of your friends aren't really, you know, they're not really wanting to hang out with you or they're blowing you off or they're not initiating conversation with you, that would be the experience. And then the belief behind that would be, I'm not enough or I'm not lovable. Does that make sense so far? Yes. Yeah. So then it would be a matter of exploring what does that belief, how does that belief support me? Because everything that we have inside of us is serving a purpose. We want to be safe. We want to be supported. And we've learned these beliefs over time to support ourselves in that way. So some of the, the supportive aspects of that belief would be, you know, I don't ever get hurt. I don't have to put myself outside of my comfort zone. I don't really have to, you know, take a next step because I'm, I'm holding this unlovable, I'm not enough belief. And then, so we dive deeper into that and ask, okay, what is the detriment of this belief? And then we see the benefit of the belief. We see the detriment of the belief. Often when we dive in a little bit deeper, we see that the detriment is actually outweighing the benefit. And can we explore that there might be another way to meet those needs, wanting to feel safe, wanting to feel secure and in control. But how do we do that in, in a way that is going to benefit you long-term and, and implement a more sustainable approach so that you can feel less stressed, more engaged, more connected. Mm -hmm. And I love what you touched on then too, is really using those open-ended questions. So really coming from that coaching perspective, so opening it up so they can, they can talk and we're there to listen and reflect back. I couldn't have said it better myself. It's interesting for me to be in this role where I'm word vomiting on this podcast and I'm used to asking the questions, waiting and, you know, reflecting exactly as you said. Yeah. Um, 
so how you did mention so it's sustainable how do we do that like what tools can we offer clients to help them through this process my favorite saying right now is find something that you love and make it your practice so for some people their yoga is is yoga practice and for some people their yoga is running or basketball or fishing or playing with their children whatever that is holding the intention behind it that that is going to be your medicine that is going to be your gateway into you and i think often we are are given these these quick fixes you know oh you you want to lose 10 pounds do this diet you want to feel stressed take this pill or feel less stressed take this pill and you know those like okay instant gratification let me get to the end of this but ultimately the way we sustain it is diving deeper uncovering every single thing that's there so that the inside of us our minds our hearts are not a scary place they're this place where we're like yes okay you know i know every single nook and cranny inside of myself and no matter what comes my way i have the benefit i have the ability to overcome that so the tools are really are that we can provide as practitioners or clinicians to clients would be the question asking and diving deeper and also providing the opportunity for them to self-soothe and learn the tools and techniques themselves. So we are empowering the clients in the process so that they become the teacher. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, same thing. Like you took the words right out of my mouth. I couldn't agree more. Um, we do live in a society that is super fast paced. It's a convenient society where, you know, if we are given a quick fix, sometimes it is just more convenient to go, okay, yeah, you know what? If that's going to solve my problems, I'll take it. But as OTs, if we, you know, we understand occupation and we understand, you know, rituals and routines and what makes up a person's life and what is meaningful to them. And if we can show them ways that they can weave in sustainable practices, like you said, the mindset tools and helping them problem solve their own issues when they come up. Because you know what? We're not going to be around forever. Their life is going to go on well past our therapy sessions and they need the problem solving skills and the tools to be able to go, okay, this has come up again. What can I do to help myself or help my family? Um, so I think that is so powerful to make what we're doing sustainable for the long run. Um, mm. And I think it's perfect how you said it. Mm. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about finding ease because this is another area that you're really passionate about. And I think it goes beyond just reducing stress. Um, how are, what are some ways that we can help our clients find ease in their life? And what does ease mean to you? I was literally just going to say that exact thing. Step one would be ask the client, what does ease mean to you? Like, what are the specific qualities within ease that you're looking for or that you would like to have? For me, it's this grounded, calm, intentional way of living where whatever's thrown my way, I'm still in my center. Yes, I have, you know, days where I'm really sad, really upset, really angry, really ecstatic, but that is unwavering in like the deepest parts of me. So that would be ease. And in order to access ease, we, we really need to see what is standing in the way of that ease. Is it 
that we're in a job that makes us feel really unhappy? Is it that we're in a marriage that we're feeling a bit stuck? Is it that we don't have the tools and the strategies in our repertoire to actually know what self-love means? You know, it could be anything. So it's really asking that, that why, what's in the way, how do we overcome that? And then relate that back to everything in your past because we're not living only you know in this exact moment that we're living right now to think that our previous experiences haven't led up to now is is almost like the the missing link so really diving into that past and then as we touched upon already about the belief systems like really diving into those belief systems and reframing them so that they're going to be able to support you and your intentional choices moving forward so it's aligning how you want to be in ease and and getting to that that point if that makes sense mm -hmm. and so from an occupational lens so looking at it through an occupational lens what sort of occupations I mean, it's so different for everyone, like what is meaningful to them, but what sorts of ways are you helping people find ease in terms of occupations? Hmm. Yeah, I love that question. I think it's at, at this specific moment in time with my clients, it's, it's really getting back to the basics and it's not overcomplicating things. It's making a meal with someone's child because that is the connection that they're missing. They're missing the connection to their food. They're missing the connection to their children because they've been go, go, go for so long. And now they're getting that chance to pause. So it's my, my answer is really the intention behind what they're already doing and having that frame. Okay. You know, when I'm drinking my morning tea, like I always do, how do I have the the perspective that you know this five minutes is going to be the, the minutes that I really needed in this day um, so I, I would say it's not implementing a, a bunch of new occupations it's having a lens of okay this occupation that I'm already doing I'm gonna shine a light that this is exactly what I needed I just didn't have, I didn't have the opportunity to frame it that way mm, I love that and one more thing that I want to touch on is self-expression. And I think this comes into the ease as well. Um, this, yeah, can you touch on that and talk to us what self-expression means, first of all, and then how you incorporate this into your work as an OT? I like to think of the opposites when I'm trying to explain a topic. So if we think of the opposite of self-expression, to me, that means like, being in a cage and stuck and constrained and my body is really tight and then the expression would be like okay you know I've removed some of the layers I've gotten out of this cage and now my body feels free and open and expansive and that's how I live my life in an, in a self-expressed way so that in practice that would look like having the day exactly how I planned it. It would, it would be having the conversations and speaking my truth because that felt relevant, not holding back. It would be having connections with people that light me up rather than connections just be for the sake of having a connection. So again, so many different faucets of self-expression, but it's, it ultimately, ultimately comes back to the common experience of living in alignment with you. So not wavering from that in a different circumstance, whether that be work, whether that be home life, whether that be a new environment, you're exactly the same expressed as you in all of those circumstances. 
Mm. And do you use this through a coaching model? Is that how you weave this into your work? Yeah, I, I didn't touch upon the second part of your question. So thank you for reminding me. Yes. Yeah, I think that it, it's near the end of the work that I do. So this would be more of, a, more of an integrated aspect of, of the work that I do. So usually people come to clinicians or practitioners or life coaches because they have a, a kind of glaring issue and they want to overcome that obstacle. And then ultimately we, we want to get the sustained ease and then we want to be ourselves in every single circumstance because that's the freedom that we want to feel in every moment. So the, the self-expression, again, would be the last part and the practices to cultivate that would be so specific to each person. Like we, we talked about before, the occupations are so different to each person. So to, to, give you a, <laughs> to give you a specific answer on that feels very difficult in this moment. Yeah, no worries. Okay, cool. Let's head to the three rapid fire questions. Was there anything else that we didn't touch on to that you wanted to you wanted to say before we wrap it up? I think really we we summed it up in the sense that occupation is is so diverse and I feel as if the work that I'm doing in terms of the therapy, the coaching, the occupational therapy, the yoga practices, it and every other person that is is implementing some sort of health practice is all getting to the same point. And it doesn't matter the modality, it doesn't matter the practice. This is the way that I've found is beneficial for me and my clients, but that doesn't mean that, you know, another technique or another approach is just as beneficial and going to get the client the exact same result. Mm, absolutely. And that's it. You know, we all bring our own flavor to OT. Yes. And I think it is a journey. It's based on our experiences as well. Um, and, and we bring that to our work. And I suppose working with what works with the client. And that's something else, you know, that we need to dive into is really just making sure it's culturally relevant and all that kind of stuff for the client as well. Um, but yeah, super important. Okay. Yes. Three rapid fire questions. Let's go. Number one, in one sentence, how do you describe OT? Supporting what one wants and needs to do through meaningful engagement with life. Love it. Number two, what's one healthy lifestyle habit our listeners can implement today? I said this already, but I'm going to say it again. Find something that you love and make it your practice. Great. Number three, if you could only offer one piece of advice to OTs, what would it be? Always step outside of the box and the box might grow and grow and grow and continue to step out of that box and see the potential. Love it. So good. Rhea, how can everyone find out more about you and your work and where are you on the social media? You can... Most, find me most frequently on Instagram. So I'm at Rhea Lynn. Uh, Rhea is R-H-A-Y-A-L-Y with three N's. Uh, you can also find my website through my Instagram. So that will be the best place to find me at Rhea Lynn. Awesome. Thank you so much, Rhea. You are a little ray of light. 
my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a wonderful time with you. That's it, guys. I hope this episode resonated with you. But more importantly, I hope that it inspires you to take action. If you haven't already, come over and join our Facebook group family where we connect and collaborate. You can find us really easy just by searching the OT Lifestyle Movement in Facebook. If you did love this episode, I'd be super grateful if you shared it. You can take a screenshot right now and share it on Instagram or on Facebook so we can connect with more amazing, like-minded, open-minded OTs. The more we share the OT Lifestyle Movement, the more we can create a ripple effect. And if you do love the podcast, please head over to iTunes and give us a five-star review so we can be found more easily. That's it. Go out, create the epic change that you seek in the world because the world is ready for you. Carpe diem, guys.